This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Shao Ik. It's our public health show today with my co-host, Azrul Muhammad Kaleb, CEO of the Galen Centre for Health and Social Policy. And today we are discussing the uh, reported shortage in the nursing profession. Uh, what we've been hearing about uh, being reported in the news recently is about the shortage in private hospitals. But in fact, in February this year as well, then Minister of Health Kairi Jamaluddin uh, also addressed the shortage in public hospitals. And this is not a new issue. It's carried over across several administrations. And uh, in the media reports in February, KJ had said that MOH would conduct a detailed analysis and study on the shortage of nurses in government hospitals and clinics and now we're hearing about shortages in private hospitals. So um, we have a representative from the private hospitals joining us today to give us a picture of what's happening and uh, that would be Dr. Dr. Kuljit Singh, President of the Association of Private Hospitals Malaysia. We also have Professor Dr. Dr. Haja Bibi Florina Abdullah who's Pro-Chancellor of Lincoln University Malaysia and um, She's going to give us the perspective, um, the broader perspective from uh, the nursing sector. Um, and uh, we're going to discuss, you know, uh, Dr. Kuljit has uh, spoken up about possibly liberalizing the nursing profession, um, making the conditions easier for private hospitals to hire foreign nurses from other countries. Would this be the way to go? Uh, what are some issues that we are looking at? Um, so this is what we're discussing today. Um, do send us your thoughts. Um, if this is something that has affected you, if you're a nurse yourself or perhaps a retired one, in fact, and listening in, perhaps you can share some insights with us or just tell us what you think about this issue. You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. You can also call us at 03-7733-2900. Good afternoon to my co-host Azrul and all my guests. How are you today? Hi, I'm fine. Hi. Hi. Oh, sure. Hi. Hello, hi. <laughs> so I think, uh, Prof. Bibi, I might get you to start by um, answering what might seem like a very basic question, but perhaps something that many of us take for granted, as you've pointed out, Azrul. Who is a nurse? What do they do? Yeah, actually, um, you know, um, it's an easy question and also a quite difficult question in the sense that, you know, um, nobody really understands what nursing is all about. You know, they thought that nursing is something like, you know, you feed the patient, yes, of course, you know, nurse the patient and all that. But it's more to that, you know, because in the nursing curriculum, there's such thing as, of course, you have the health uh, nursing sciences, all right, nursing value, we call it. And we have the behavioral sciences. And then we have also the bio, uh, biological sciences, social sciences. So these are all, you know, all those, um, you know, like uh, activities, whatever is under those values. Uh, those are actually made up of a nurse after a three-year program. So in Malaysia, uh, in any other countries, for a diploma, it's about three years. And for a degree program, it's about uh, four years from high school. And they need to be registered in the Nursing Board of Malaysia uh, so that they can get their license to practice. So basically, a nurse is somebody, if you ask me what are you doing as a nurse, it's like, you no, know, we are helping the patient to get better, you know. And how do we do that uh, with all the procedures that has been introduced, you know, during the curriculum. Mm. Yeah. And uh, what exactly um, are you seeing in private hospitals now, Dr. Kuljit, with regard to the availability of nurses? You're talking about a critical shortage. If you could describe to us the scale of the problem and how it's affecting the care. 
Right, thank you. We have got about 210, uh, maybe 220 private hospitals in Malaysia, both big and small. Uh, one of the issues that we have uh, in the recent times, I mean, in the last uh, one, two years during the pandemic, and more so now it's probably even worse, whereby um, there is a shortage of uh, nursing staff in most of the private hospitals that amounts to a longer waiting time for patients to get uh, bids because uh, in private hospitals, based on the Private Facility Act, there should be a number of nurses before you can open up bids. So we have the infrastructure, we have the bids, but we don't have the nurses. So patients who can afford private health care uh, with guarantee letters, uh, money in their hands, and uh, also insurance, they end up waiting six to eight hours or sometimes even longer, which is sometimes is not so acceptable. Uh, so we can provide a lot uh, to the public because these patients then sometimes uh, choose to go back to government and it's, it, that will further uh, strain the government service. Uh, these are the patients who can actually afford private health care. So we really need, uh, at this point of time, uh, nursing staff more than brick and mortar and, uh, and uh, equipment and instruments. We need nurses. You have the medical specialists available as well. It's the nurses where there's a gap. Yes, we, the specialists we have enough uh, in the private sector, but the specialists or the doctor cannot work uh, without uh, having adequate nurses in the, uh, in the system. Mm, mm. So we, we can see it uh, especially now. The demand of private healthcare has actually increased. You know, this goes back to the role of and importance of having nurses in the health uh, infrastructure. And I can't help but look at what's happening in the UK right now with the NHS system, the crisis that's happening over there. You have the nurses are currently on strike and they are looking at not just in terms of pay increases, but also the fact that they are facing uh, overburden, burnout, workload hasn't decreased, in fact it's gone increased because of the winter season but also more and more staff leaving and I can't help but think it's similar to what's happening here in Malaysia that we've heard happening and uh, I think Code Blue just published a report two days ago uh, talking about what's happening in the uh, Raja Pamaisi Bainun Hospital about mm. what's happening there where patients are being left uh, unattended to, unable to be able to be provided for with care and part of that has got to do with there being insufficient uh, manpower or, or nurses here on, uh, on, on available to be able to provide for some of that care to back up the doctors. So we take it for granted very often, right, about the fact that there will always be nurses, but not enough doctors. So all this discussion right now has been about doctors, contract doctors, but we don't hear enough about nurses. So, Prof, let me ask you, you know, in terms of where the role of a nurse in terms of providing care for the patient, will they be able to, you know, replace that person with somebody else? Yeah, do, do you have, will, will it come to a situation where it should be one nurse taking care of five patients, for instance, I don't know what the number should be, and yeah. then eventually, because there are not enough nurses, you get one nurse taking care of 10, 20. I mean, uh, uh, Dr. Yeah. Kulchit just mentioned yeah. about uh, 
uh, a need to have a minimum standard, right? So what, what is that standard that we're talking yeah. about? No, we have a ratio. Actually, a ratio. Um, you know, I remember, you know, when you talk about shortage of nurses, it's global. It's not only in Malaysia. It's everywhere. In fact, just a few days ago, somebody from some uh, West, I mean, European country was asking for nurses from Malaysia. And even from the East, they're asking. Down South, somebody's asking. So actually, the you know, when you talk about shortages, uh, it's, it's everywhere. Now, you know, nurses, you know, when you talk about what actually they are, you know, supposed, can they be replaced? You see, uh, there's something uh, about nursing. You see, like um, certain certain thing, like for example, feeding the patient, bathing a patient. Maybe the healthcare assistant can do that. You know, but then there's a certain procedure which only the registered nurse can can do. So, uh, could you give an example? Uh, say, say for example, uh, you see, you, you see, uh, when uh, when a, when a nurse is feeding the patient, for example, it's a simple procedure. Feeding a stroke patient, for example, how are we going to do that? What, what is the implication? Is it going to get choked? How is it? You know? So it may sound simple, but he's, she's observing everything. So you need somebody like that. Say, for example, suddenly the fellow got choked. What is he going to do? Uh, you know, that sort of emergency thing. So you need somebody like that. That is why, you see, uh, there was a time, you know, when um, that was about 40 years ago in Malaysia, if I may quote, because I was the registrar of the nursing board before, you know, the, the maternal mortality rate was some 300,000 300 per 100,000 life birth. So what we have to do is we have to ensure that all the nurses are trained in midwifery. So, you know, you you, mean, you need that certain competency to handle, you know, a certain procedure. So that is why I said, uh, you know, not everybody can become a nurse. You need to go to that training of three years as a diploma and four years as a degree to be exposed to all those sciences that I mentioned earlier. So you, you really need that. And if you say um, ratio, you know, it uh, goes according to the level of care. In the ICU, is one-to-one or one-to-two, if you can afford, one-to-one. Or, you know, in the labor room, for example, one-to-one, in a, like, a, not to say sedentary what, but, you know, the, the what, like medical, surgical, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe one-to-three or one-to-four. That is the norm I'm so, uh, talking about. And, of course, you can see nurses running around in, you know, like one-to-ten or one-to-twenty-eight in certain hospitals because they don't have enough manpower. And some of the nurses, because of they don't have enough manpower, they're doing double shift. So that's why they end up with like sort of stress and things like that. Because looking after the patient is not exactly just physical, you know. It's mental, physical, it's even spiritual, you know what I mean? Especially those oncology patients, you've mm. got to hold their hand. You know, how do you break a news which is very sad to so the patient? There, there are many different types of nurses as well. Yes, yes. So it's not just the, uh, I think what you described is the basic. Yes, uh, so that's staff nurse. The, uh, that's what, what, what would you call... Uh, uh, Specialized nurse? Uh, no, I mean if it's a one that doesn't have the uh, uh, specialization. Uh, yeah. Yes, uh, in Malaysia we call them staff nurse, okay. you know, or registered nurse. So they don't have any specialization, you know. So this like generalized, general nurse, for example. So if they're specialized, they become... Uh, specialized nurse. So where is the shortage happening here? Mm. So in private, uh, we see the shortages at every level. Uh, even in the specialized level, we have shortages. And also in the general wards and general nurses in the clinic, which are actually short. So it's actually across the every level in a private hospital. Mm. Uh, so to run a service, uh, you need to have the numbers. So without the numbers, you cannot run an effective uh, service. It also deals with a lot of patient care, patient safety, where you need to have 
adequate nurses, mm, more I than the see, doctors. Yeah, I can see the rationale for the mm. standard of being course, set, yeah. of course. As a patient, um, I don't want to be uh, warded in, in a ward where there is no nurse available to take care of me. But uh, going a bit granular, Dr. Kuljit, are we talking about only Central? Are we talking Klang Valley? Are we talking other states and regions as well? Uh, there was a time where Klang Valley was a little bit... Uh, on the acute side, where because we have a lot of hospitals in Klang Valley. But uh, now with the recent reports I get from my members, uh, it's actually across the country, including Sabah and Sarawak, where you don't have uh, nurses uh, even in smaller hospitals in smaller towns. All right. So we'll go for a quick break and come back to look at, well, what's causing this? Um, are there simply not enough nurses to be hired? Um, are they not in the profession as well? And, you know, going back some more, there are root causes for that as well. So we'll explore that when we come back. This is our public health series today. We're discussing the uh, shortages uh, that have been reported within the nursing profession uh, very recently in the private hospitals. And that's affecting patients who have to wait for beds. And not only that, they may actually, um, you know, in desperation, have to go to another hospital. It might be a government hospital, which may then further strain the already critical situation that we know is in the public health sector as well. My guests today are Professor Datuk Dr. Haja Bibi Florina Abdullah, Pro-Chancellor of Lincoln University, Datuk Dr. Kuljit Singh, President of the Association of Private Hospitals Malaysia, and my co-host joining me, of course, Azrul Mohamad Kaleb, CEO of the Galen Centre, for Health and Social Policy. We'll be right back on BFM 89.9. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shaoik, and my co-host for the Public Health Series, Azrul Mohamad Khalib, CEO of the Galen Centre for Health and Social Policy. We're discussing nurses today. Such a critical um, aspect. Uh, they are the core of our healthcare system, really. They are the ones there... Um, attending to you round the clock when you are in the hospital um, for any medical needs. Uh, it's them really um, whom have we've always talked of as the backbone of the health system. And yet um, it is shocking to me to hear from our guests today about the kinds of gaps that currently exist uh, in the profession, the lack of nurses available um, to to serve patients because really without nurses then then you yeah. know, you don't have a health system yeah, do you exactly yeah, yeah you don't have the care so our guests today are Professor Dato Dr Haja Bibi Florina Abdullah Pro Chancellor of Lincoln University I just want to add here that she was the former registrar and director of nursing at Ministry of Health she was in fact the first director of nursing at the ministry and joining us as well Dato Dr Kuljit Singh President of the Association of Private Hospitals of Malaysia who's given us the picture of, well, basically private hospitals who are potentially being crippled as well by the lack of nurses because um, without a minimum number of nurses, you cannot open up beds and provide services for patients who are then waiting six to eight hours or more uh, for those services, even though um, they can actually pay either out of pocket or, or their insurance, right? So, Dr. Kuljit, I think the, the first question that came to mind for me was, why are you and your members in in the private hospitals facing this shortage? Why can't you just hire nurses? Okay, there are multifactorial uh, reasons for this. Uh, Malaysian nurses are uh, on the positive side, and fortunately, they are very well accepted throughout the world. Yeah. 
which is a good thing. We are very proud of that. Our nurses are really very good. They are easily snapped up in the Middle East, uh, even with our southern neighbour. They can very easily get jobs there. Now, one of the reasons is, of course, they are remunerated very well. And, of course, to match that remuneration is far from possible. So many, many think that, oh, you know, you just pay them a little bit more. But they get far more. And definitely economically in Malaysia, we will not be able to match that. So that is one of the main reasons why we lose good nurses. Nurses who are well-trained, they get snapped up. Now, the, the issue we have in private hospitals is we need to have nurses who are a little bit uh, experienced and trained uh, because we don't run uh, training centers in a private hospital. So if we have a lot of trainee nurses, then you, know, uh, you need someone to train them and then the cost will also go up because you start filling up with so many nurses that need to be trained. We can train. We're not saying that we can't train, but maybe the numbers would be small. So we're looking at trained nurses. The other option is to get them from the government, and that, again, will not be a good option because the government needs them also. Mm. So the only solution I can see would be hire foreign nurses like every other country is doing. There are a lot of nurses from other parts of the world who love to work in Malaysia. Uh, Ministry of Health is at this moment trying their best to help us out, trying to make it seamless because right now there are a lot of rigid criteria before you can bring them in. Uh, you know, Dato Kuljit, uh, you're a little bit shy about mentioning about how much of a difference there is in terms of the pay package, uh, which is being offered by uh, places such as those in the Middle East and what we're comparing against. I mean, what are we talking about um, in terms of how much they are paid here and what they would be potentially be offered in the Middle East? H how much are we talking about? Maybe, Prof, uh, yeah. you want to mention that? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, uh, okay, we don't go too far to the Middle East, right? Just our neighboring country. Singapore. I, I, uh, yeah, I have, a, I, have a, I have one of our, our trainees now, he's a graduate nurse. I mean, so he's already 12 years old in the system. So when she hopped over, she got three times higher. Uh, the salary, and then she has three post basic all paid. Each post basic are paid, and she has ICU, so that's the highest paid about five hundred, you know, uh, India currency, and the lowest is geretic, uh, it's about three hundred like that. Okay. So and, sorry, three hundred. What was it? Uh, three hundred in the currency of that country. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, they're being paid three hundred. Uh, uh, you know the 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 highest pay for the um. Is that yearly uh, or is that monthly? Uh, no. At one, just once, yeah. Once okay. they give you because you have the post basic, so this is the amount of money I'm giving you. Okay. Yeah, because you see, uh, over here, uh, when I was in, you know, in the Ministry of Health before, you know, whatever post basic you have, you don't have any allowances for that. Okay. But but I fought I fought for that one, so the nurses managed to get I think something about one hundred or one hundred and fifty for any post basic, okay. whatever numbers you have. But this one is like per post basic, so the highest is about say if it's Singapore, it's five hundred sing. So the lowest is about 300 cents. Yeah, so but what are they paid monthly? They, they are paid actually three times the, the salary of... Uh, how, how much? Give, give so, us a okay. figure. Don't be shy uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's shy about the money. Well, yeah, yeah, say okay. it, you know. well, she was just mentioning about... She's nicely getting about 20k a month just on okay. the salary itself. And then every shift is paid also, you know. Uh, with that, I did not ask. But then they have three shifts, so it's three shifts being paid, yeah. Mm. And then they have house allowance and all the perks that we have given. But actually, I, I must say that in the government, it's not too bad now, you know, yeah. as compared when I just, be, uh, you know... 
I, I was appointed as a chief nurse in 2004, okay? And that time, I tell you, the the, <laughs> the ratio of nurses to the population is something about 1 to 600, 1 to 500, or 1 to 500 in the city and 1 to 600 in the rural areas of Sabah and Sarawak. One nurse for 600? Yeah, one, in, uh, one nurse for 600. So, WHO has recommended things like 1 in 200. So, at this point in time, uh, I was reading somewhere that is 1 in 300 something. So, it has improved actually. Okay. Yeah. But still, you know, in the what is different from in the... In the I mean, I mean, in terms of workload, definitely. Mm. But you know, in, and I go and appreciate the point that Dr. Kuljit mm. was mentioning just now, for us to be able to compete in terms of salary scales. I mean, it's really hard mm. uh, for us to be able to provide that kind of uh, remuneration for nurses here. But the question would then come, uh, uh, Dr. Is that why would then Filipino nurses or Thai nurses want to come to work in Malaysia if? their Malaysian counterparts are wanting to go somewhere else because the uh, remuneration is not as competitive. Why would they want to come to Malaysia? No, I think uh, one of the reasons that, you know, s- there are some nurses in other parts of the world, like Philippines, uh, the Indian subcontinent, they are probably happier to be in Malaysia with what we actually pay comparing to what they're getting in their own country. Mm. And maybe for reasons best known to them, but putting all the other factors into it, the Malaysia is probably a better option for them, maybe socially yeah. and, and a lot of other mm-hmm. effects. And I think Malaysia has always been a favourite ground yep. uh, for a lot of nursing stuff. And I and I personally used to speak to them when they used mm-hmm. to be in our place. Yeah. They, they actually enjoy enjoy working. Yeah. Uh, our working environment is probably better. In but the how, how do we, we know? How do we know that their quality, um, you know, their, their certification and qualifications is up to par? Okay, so when we had foreign nurses in the private hospitals, uh, we found them that... When was know, this? Uh, this was maybe about uh, close to 10 years ago. Mm. And when there was such, such kind of a ruling that came by that we need to not take any more foreign nurses, but uh, take our own. And we found that they were actually very good. There is a methodology of privileging and credentialing them in a private hospital. Uh, our local nursing and nursing heads will actually go through their work. And we doctors... Uh, who worked with them, we found that they were actually extremely good. Uh, and uh, they were very motivated to work with us in Malaysia. And uh, many doctors actually missed them when, when they were with us in, mm. in the private hospitals. So, Prof. Bibi, do you know the context uh, in terms of this uh, practice of hiring foreign nurses? Mm. Um, is it possible uh, for private hospitals right now to do that? Um, Dr. Kuljit mentioned some difficulties in going through that process. Perhaps you could give us some yeah. the picture. Actually, I think the policy hasn't changed, you know, when I was a registrar before. Of course, everything is to go to the board before they go to the private hospital. You see, uh, when uh, when the private hospital sort of apply for foreign nurses, you know, they have to show us the evidence that they've actually, you know, exhausted all avenue, you know, three times uh, advertising in the newspaper and there's no takers and things like that. And they need this sort of specialty for their program. See, so they will write to us. And then, uh, of course, um, they want to take from India, for example, uh, from India. So they have to send all the certificate transcript and all that. And we have to look. It's actually, the, the board, the nursing board is the is the one who is looking at whether this uh, this fellow is uh, qualified or not, this nurse is qualified or not, all right? Then, you know, and when, and when we are satisfied with that, you know, the nursing board is satisfied with that, then they will send it to the private sector. And we give them a period of three months observation and give a report to the nursing board to say that actually they are competent and, you know, they can continue. Mm. So that's how, you know, I think it doesn't change, uh, you know. But the only thing is that, you know, uh, that too, 
Um, I still feel that, you um, know, if you want to take foreign nurses, I think you should take specialized nurses because that is what you need actually in the hospital at the moment. Because, for example, if you want to open a coronary care, you need a nurses with coronary care uh, specialization, you know. So otherwise, if it's a general nurses, in fact, when you talk about not enough nurses, we have contact nurses at the moment, you know, and then the contact nurses, those contract nurses, so actually they should go and we should look at them and, you know, confirm them mm. and they can so, go into your system. So if there is availability somewhere, mm -hmm. why is there a mismatch? Is it um, what Dr. Kuljit said about the fact that perhaps the contract nurses don't have the um, yeah. the training? The, yes, the post no, they have. They have basic only basic nurses. And what he's looking at is a, a specialization, basically. So, I mean... For example, in other countries, uh, when they don't have specialization, then they're exposed to this uh, uh, credentialing and privileging sort of uh, as an immediate measure. And meanwhile, you need to train this. Uh, you know, post-basic, basically, it's only one year. In fact, there was a time it was only six months. But then you can also go for one year. You know, six months means it's just direct to the point. You know, if it's coronal, direct to that, you know, uh, there's no such thing. If it's one year, then there's, a, uh, you know, some nursing values, elements, sciences. Mm -hmm. has but to be the private in. hospitals can't train that. Yeah, can't but, do but that can, training. But Currently, actually, uh, we are also short in the normal basic nurses, mm -hmm. not just the specialization. Mm -hmm. Right now, right yeah. now, in the last one year, I can we can feel yes. it. Yes, we can't even open normal yeah. wards. Yeah. No, mm -hmm. so it's, that's that's the the I concern. Mean, I mean, this is where it goes back again. If the private sector is feeling that, can you imagine what's happening to the public sector? And mm -hmm. we're seeing it with uh, congested wards, yeah. uh, insufficient staff are being able to provide the kind of care that you would support. Even with the ratio on paper, it may fit the ratio. It may uh, be able to meet the uh, the mark, but actually, people are not being able to be cared for because there are not enough nurses. You know, the whole thing is like this. You see, in the government, I mean, as what my experience was, is like we have this estimate, estimation and budget, you know, at the end of the year, and yeah. that is based on the previous performance, you know. Say we have certain percentage of, you know, we, we need to increase the number of nurses for that patient care. Say, for example, you know, that you need to train the nurses for three years. For the next three years, whatever you have estimated will, you know, uh, yeah. need. But the thing is that there's a thing, such thing as, you know, maybe uh, nurses who uh, very senior, they retire, there's no replacement. And then number one, and then suddenly there's like a pandemic and you know, that yeah. sort of, uh, you are not prepared for something which is going to happen, you know. So the next thing you know is that there's not enough nurses anyway because what you have budgeted is meant for, uh, so they should look at that you know that uh, absolutely yeah you you yeah. must give that you know uh, you know we call it what you call that uh, the crisis management if there is something so, what are you going to do so prof let me just take a step back here uh, which is you know we talk about supply of nurses mm. uh, you know your your job right now is training nurses yep. you know you're working yeah. uh, to basically make sure that people are able to come out yeah. with accreditation are sufficiently trained to be nurses uh, staff nurses at mm. least in this case what kind of numbers do we see every year coming out in terms of graduates and how many of that is going into the uh, into the uh, health infrastructure? Uh, how many of them actually become nurses and how many of them, I mean, continue to be nurses for the next five years at yeah. least? No, the first thing, the first question is that, you know, how many am I training out? Yeah. You see, let me tell you, uh, you know, when I was a registrar, you know, I based on the, you know, we have a nurses act, nurses act whereby it's all like, Way back to 1950. That is why our nurses are very marketable because even in 1950, we already have standard, you know, regulatory yeah. body and things like that. Okay, in the nurses act, it says that SPM, okay? Then we come out with requirements like you must have five credits C. 
So when you have five pregnancy, including maths and science, you know, some of the girls, they, they cannot manage to, you know, to reach that uh, credit for maths and science. So, you know, there's a drastic drop. Drastic drop in the in the number of nurses going to the um, to the training, especially in private sector. For the government, it's different because they are training for their own consumption, so it's like free, free for everyone who comes in there. You know, because it's like government oh. is training them for the government hospital, so there's nothing to pay. So the five credits private is for say, private institutions. Uh, no, for everyone. For it everyone, is for yes. Uh, but the, the the government will take only certain cohort, okay? okay. Uh, yeah. And then, um, and then you know, in the private sector, for example, you know, when you say five credit, you know, some of them they don't even want to come in. They go for other program. Uh, they don't want to come in there because they five credit. They can go for certain programs, okay? Like business, like hospitality, like I don't know, IT, something like that. Now we feel it because suddenly, I can hardly give you ten. When it was like hundreds, two so, hundreds. How many a year do you graduate? For for for, for Lincoln University College, for example, we we is not not hardly fifty nurses. Uh, wow. Yes, and then the nursing that, graduates. Uh, yeah, nursing graduate, and we are supposed to to supply the private sector, you know, because we don't have hospital. Private uh, university like us, we are supplying the private hospital. We don't then we don't have that one. So just so I'm, I want to tell you that, you see, when you come out with five uh, credit C. That is after my time, you see. Okay, fine. That is the policy. It was already gazetted in the government. But I, I feel that we should have some flexibility. So if you come in with only a pass in uh, uh, maths and science, so we give you that one year. That within that one year, you sit for the single paper, and you know if you get credit, and you know you you can come in any. Year. So it means it's an, a conditional offer letter to you, mm. and it doesn't really matter because you know why. If, for example, at the end of the year, you fail. You still d did not get the credit. You can always end up as a caregiver. And caregiver in this country, minimum 3,000, maximum 6,000 salary. Mm. So they can be employed anywhere. So you, meaning you give a chance for jobs, you know, for the, you know, uh, especially the rural uh, student. They, you know, they find it so difficult to reach that, uh, this one, number one. Number two, we also have problem with the PTPTN. You know, last time, you know, now it has mm. gone down so much that, you know, if, say, I'm offering a 45K for the nursing uh, uh, program and the PTPN is 37, for example. So you have to meet the gaps. So normally, we in Lincoln, we just follow 37, you know, to make it easier for them. Uh, the, so, the student loans. Yes, the student loan. I mean, you need to have that because basically, where do you get the money for the training? Mm. It is not, you know, but for private hospital who have training school and also hospital, they are training for their own consumption. But, uh, you know, for example, some private hospital they don't have, they depend on us. And we can supply. <laughs> uh, so going back to now, so, you know, we've established how many people graduate from a nursing program, mm. which is a basic... I mean, for my so university, for your I don't university, know. Uh, yeah, but I'm not sounds, sure about the whole country. But that sounds I mean, incredibly only 50, low. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> if I have the numbers correct, um, there are 26 private mm. nursing mm. schools uh, in the country. Colleges mm. and Maybe and they have more, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, so we're not talking about a yeah. lot to serve 200 private <laughs> hospitals yeah. all over the yeah. country. Uh, and I also at the level of, of the training that's expected because we're talking about different levels, seniority and different experiences, mm. specialization of nurses as well. And uh, I think it was just mentioned just now that private hospitals are not able to train. Mm. So what do you mean by that, Dr. Koji? I mean... Obviously, you have nurses who have worked in, say, your hospital for maybe 10, 15, 20 years. Are you saying that they're still stuck at that level or basic? Uh, or, I mean, how is this training 
specialization supposed to take place? So what happens is that, you know, we have nurses that have been with us for the last uh, 15 years, for example, because my hospital is 15 years old. Uh, they would have worked in certain areas. Mm. But then they are not recognized as specialists in that particular area because... Now what the, do you mean? What, so, what specialists? So if you work in an ICU together with a nurse who is a post-basic nurse, so we pair them. Mm. We pair them. It's a good strategy. But now this nurse who is being paired with a post-basic nurse, she will not be recognized as a post-basic nurse because she will have to be uh, kind of accredited by Ministry of Health. So... Things have changed a little bit now. They have allowed us to send them, send the ministry have logbook, some sort of statement to say that this nurse has done enough of work in an ICU, so she should be looked as uh, a post basic train. Yeah, yeah. There is, are leeways, yeah. but uh, but but it is not as easy as how sure. it, it, it it can be in a government setting. So, so that's where we we, we kind of have lack of uh, things. So the other question is, you get a new nurse coming to us. We can take a few, but we cannot afford to have so many new nurses. They miss fresh from college because we are running a service. It's private service. So we need to have people to train who are, them. Who are already ready to go la, and can provide the training yes, for yeah. the basic. Basic. So you know, then you can do a few, but you really cannot do a lot. We are running a service where patients expect a certain level of care. You can't be training a nurse when the patient is waiting there for you. So what are you asking for with this 15-year uh, uh, nurse here, I mean, in terms of service? Are, are you expecting to be able to be accrediting yes. nurses? I mean, uh, We, we have hospitals? achieved that for the Ministry of Health, fortunately, uh, in the last two years, that we can actually send the credentials to the ministry and they will actually certify them. Uh, the, all this while it wasn't there, but it's taking some time for that. Mm-hmm. But our our main issue is actually uh, even with that, even with that, we don't have that kind of numbers. Otherwise, yeah. we wouldn't be complaining. And uh, is that because they are leaving for the other countries? Yes. So eventually, that's yeah. another problem. Once yeah. they get accredited, they're good. Yeah. The offer comes in. <laughs> of course, yeah. 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 Get paid more, right? I mean, that three times you know, more. There was a time. There was a time in my, during my time. The attrition rate was four hundred. 400 per year oh. and it's all specialized nurses going oh to the God. Gulf country going to the Gulf country course, you know all yeah. specialized you know what it means because you see we have a very fantastic curriculum now I want to answer that one you know actually it is true uh, Dato because you are not a training center oh. so that whatever you come out you know whatever certificate you come out is has not been you are not licensed to to train so whatever comes out is not even though it's good everything is fine because it is being uh, sort of accredited by the specialist but it is not from you know not licensed to you know to train so whatever certificate you come out is not like sort of um, not to say legal or illegal, but it's not recognized lah. Uh, something. Yeah. But I'm so happy that the Ministry of Health has finally sort of accredited your program. Yeah. So uh, just very quickly, Dr. Kuljit, if you can address, you are able to actually bring in foreign nurses. Um, is that process too cumbersome? So it is. It is difficult because uh, you have to go through a very rigid process. You need to have. Uh, Three advertisement yeah. and a ministry. It, within, is it within a certain they, it is, time frame? It is quite a similar norm with any expectorate that you bring to yeah. the country. Mm-hmm. So that takes a long time. And sometimes in that process, these potential nurses which we have identified from overseas, they give up and they go to another country. Mm. That's number one. And number two, uh, they would the Ministry of Health, uh, what I can understand is they would want us to get specialized nurses. But we need specialized nurses, but we also need the normal nurses to come and run our services. And to me, this is going to be a short gap measure because uh, I think it, we will get 
some sort of footing in solving this problem as we go along, uh, increasing the production of nurses, and I think we'll catch up. But right now, <coughs> that's the gap that we need to fill up. All right. We'll go for a quick break, uh, and I'll come back to you, Azrul. You have a thought. Um, hold that in mind. Uh, it's our public health show today with my co-host, Azrul Muhammad Khaleb, CEO of the Galen Centre for Health and Social Policy. Our guests, Professor Dr. Dr. Hajjah Bibi Florina Abdullah, Pro-Chancellor of Lincoln University and formerly the Director of Nursing at Ministry of Health, and Dr. Dr. Kuljit Singh, President of the Association of Private Hospitals Malaysia. Um, sending your thoughts, uh, what you think about uh, what's happening to the nursing profession, the shortages that are being reported. Uh, 03-377-332-900 is the number to call. Or you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Ik. For my public health series today, my co-host is joining me, Azrul Mohamad Khaleb, CEO of the Galen Centre for Health and Social Policy. We're speaking to Professor Dato Dr. Hajjah Bibi Florina Abdullah, Pro-Chancellor of the Lincoln University and formerly the Director of Nursing at Ministry of Health, and Dato Dr. Kuljit Singh, President of the Association of Private Hospitals Malaysia. And we're discussing the reported shortages of uh, nurses in the private hospitals. We've talked about things like... Um, uh, qualified and trained nurses going over to other countries where the salary is so much better. Um, we're talking about the lack of um, availability of the trained nurses and post-basic nurses, not just the fresh graduates, but the specialist nurses um, that the private hospitals need to take in as well. Um, send in your thoughts, 018-789-8899 is the number to text, or you can call us at 03 well, you know, we we come to this this question really. I mean, we're talking about how uh, there's an exodus of of nurses heading outside the country, and we're trying to get in to address a problem of a shortage. But you know, I I really want to also uh, touch on where we are in terms of working conditions in uh, our hospitals, both public and private. I mean, it's coming two years in of a COVID nineteen crisis. We've had two years of intense uh, public health emergency, people are burned out, having to work continuously. There's no cavalry coming over the horizon to help. It's just you and your colleagues. Can there be uh, improvements in how we work to address the mm. issues of burnout? Improvements yeah. in, in the environment. Are we you know, tolerating or helping each other. I mean, yeah. Uh, and, and in fact, can I share a message that oh, came in ahead. from yeah. Jason, our listener, who said that uh, the issue of burnout and a toxic work culture probably mm. also contributes to nurses mm. leaving the country. He says that, um, you know, the salaries in the Gulf countries, for instance, may be three to four times higher, but their living expenses may also be very, true. very high. So um, he thinks that it can't just be remuneration. Um, pulling them away. Is there a push factor as well? I'm um, sorry, the, the yeah. question was for Dr. Kuljit. Uh, Dr. Kuljit and Prof. Uh, as well. Okay, I can say something about private hospitals. You see, private hospitals, the working environment is, uh, I think it is probably quite uh, palatable because the numbers in a private hospital may not be as high as what you would see in a public hospital. Uh, the only thing becomes um, a bit of an issue in private hospital when the numbers of nurses are uh, reduced. So, because services have to run, the nurses end up doing double shift mm. with very little breaks. And sometimes our operating sessions go beyond time. And you can see that sometimes nurses are actually working with different surgeons beyond time in the operating room. 
which which then leads to burnout. But uh, mistakes are also made. Yeah. So so looking at that, yeah, if you compare uh, to the workload in a public hospital, yeah, there will be differences. Uh, here would be just that you know you need to have the numbers. If you have the numbers, then the shift works <coughs> out quite well. Prof, uh, maybe how would you say it is in the public side? Well, as I said, the the, the shortage has been there, and I think until now, um, especially in the acute ward, all right, in the acute ward, and then uh, you know, as what that says, not everyone is specialized, so you need to have, and some of the nurses are even going double shift, you know, some, uh, you know, actually. Uh, sorry, um, Prof, when you say double shift, are yeah. we talking what? How many hours? Uh, yeah, well, twelve yeah. hours, eighteen hours. Yeah, sometimes, for example, they are supposed to go on an eight-hour shift, yeah, so then the next round because somebody is very sick there, so he might go for another one, you know, for the another shift. So it's sixteen hours. Yeah, sixteen hours. For example, you see. Uh, uh, I, I don't have that sort of research per se, but I have this focus group discussion. You know, we have people from other sectors like private sector, public sector, and, you know, the gov- I mean, from the uh, institution and things like that. So we always discuss this. And it's like, it's like, it's everywhere. You know, it's everywhere. So uh, my friend will say, you know, it's like this. And that friend also says, so it's like, it's a focus group uh, observations, uh, more on anecdotal, but the problem is there. Yeah, the problem is there. That's the whole story, you know. And uh, in the government sector, because you are being in the government, so some of the nurses, whether they are burned out or not burned out, they will stay on. Well, how, how does that impact on care for patients, though? I mean, if you have a nurse who's been uh, on call, uh, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the ward for like 16 hours, uh, and you have also doctors who are also mm-hmm. doing double shifts sometimes, and you have them just as much. I mean, how does that... Uh, Compared to what the patient experiences yes. to the care, uh, you know that too. I was, I, I was, I was actually seeing a doctor, and she was sneezing away. I said, "You are not actually very well yourself, you know." But then they don't have a choice, and even nurses are like that, you know. They don't have a choice; they still have to, you know, continue whatever they have to do. And yes, stress, burnout, and things like that is the is a real real push factor, especially for the nurses, you know, in the. In the wards and things like that. that's where they go for. They have a lot of you know Malaysian nurses everywhere, you know who offers a little bit of mm. higher. Is um, are nurses actually taking on more than just nursing care in their workload? Are they expected to do some clerical stuff? Oh yes, cleaning. Yes, yes. you know that's the whole story. You know in the government sector, you know they spend more time on documentation. You know they should they should be doing bedside nursing. I think maybe as compared to the private sector, because you know um you know some private sec- uh, private uh, <coughs> hospital I can see because I have my nurses who are doing degree now, they were telling me that you know in the private sector, you know it's like. Uh, patient care is just a tick away. You know, they go around with their tablet and things like that. So it's easy for them. But, you know, in some hospital, they're still doing the document, sitting down there, doing documentation, whether it's, virtu- whether it's uh, virtual or whether it's, you know, hard copy, but they're sitting down there. So our friend here, you know, the patient, they're not well taken care of. So it's either you invest on this uh, machine, or I mean, it's tablet, or on this software, or on the human resource, hmm. more on nursing. Um, then is the solution to this simply to just churn out more graduates, Dr. Kuljit? I think the, um, yes, there's one way is to get more graduates, but we are also looking, as far as private is concerned, is quality. Mm. Quality is actually very important, especially in private practice, uh, because um, there are a lot of aspects uh, when you work in a private setting. I'm not saying that you don't need to have quality in the government setting, but the structure is a little bit different. 
because you got a lot of uh, manpower when you compare comparatively speaking so I, I give you an example sometimes in a private hospital in a ward you may have three nurses in government you may have a bit more but uh, again um, what i'm trying to say here is uh, churning out would be one long term measure that we can do but we must always ensure whether they are working for public or private they churn out quality nurses like what the doctor prof was telling that the, we have got very high standards before you get into nursing and i think that should be maintained 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 yeah. uh, so i think uh, that's the most important thing that we are looking at so we can get sometimes we have an advertisement you get local nurses coming and when my nurses interview them sometimes they find that they may not be up to the level for real patient care and patient safety so so they neither get a job in government they neither they can mm. get job in a private setting mm. and they're lot out there Actually, so, we, so we we really fear we we wouldn't want to take and either yeah. the government would want to take yeah. uh, nursing of that caliber. No, mm. but uh, actually we we, we I, I noticed that when I was the uh, director of nursing, you know, as I go around the hospital, especially for novice nurses who just come out, you know, so they don't have that sort of standard that you're looking at. So what we're trying to do here, for example, in our Lincoln, before they come out, you know, say six months before, we already. Uh, oriented them to the structure of the hospital as a registered nurse. What are you expected to do mm. when you go in there, number one? Number two, you may be put in the intensive care because, you know, you don't have enough specialization. So how does it go? What are the procedure? So we have all those logbooks for them, besides, of course, teaching them how to go for an interview and things like that. So actually, uh, we have started that. So I I just hope that every, you know, uh, institute will start that one so that, you know, when they go to you, They, they, already, they know what they're mm. doing. And and you have to continue with the mentor-mentee. Yeah. For example, um, you know, the senior nurses will be mentoring the, the, the new nurses. Because you see, in every hospital, in any way in the world, actually our competence is the same. But it's the delivery, the culture is different. So you need to, you know, still, because even if you go to UK, for example, you still need to be exposed to the National Health Services sort of orientation for six months, even if you go to Singapore. Six months of orientation to their culture before they say, okay, you are registered now. A nurse and you can carry your nursing responsibility. Mm-hmm. So I think that is one of the things that you need to address. Yeah. Well, you know, um, we've heard uh, some of your suggestions and some of your plans. Uh, they appear to be for the next generation of nurses or at least for the long term. But the problem today is acute. And you say very clearly that there's a shortage today. There, if you look at the private hospitals, you see what's happening right now. There is shortage of nurses, not just in terms of the specialized, but also the staff nurse. We see in the public hospitals as well, you go to uh, Klang, you go to Ipoh, you see uh, situations which are symptomatic of the same problem, which is shortage of healthcare workers, including nurses. So, you know, the the new health minister, when she came on board, one of the first things she said that she was going to go and look into the contract doctor's issue. Yeah, that's good. But there was no mention about nurses. contract nurses or nurses or, or any of that. So... If you had a chance to be able to say something yeah. in terms of recommendation, <laughs> what what would it be? And I'll start with Prof first, and then go to uh, Dato. Prof. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I should, What's should your not, recommendation? Yeah, because we have a lot of contact nurses all writing to me. Is that they, you know? Can you help me? You know, in order to go in, and then be like, for example, permanent and pensionable or something like that. You know, because now contract means contract. You know, it's like there's an expiry date for that one. So actually, they are interested to come in. So why not we look at that before you actually looking at foreign nurses? Of course, foreign nurses, foreign nurses. I mean, you can take because you really need them. 
And then uh, the only thing is that you really have to like uh, see which one you that you know, that you need to come to the country. But in other words, the contract nurses are a ready pool yes. of recruits yes. for you. Yes, they are already here. They are already here. And then you know they they were hired during the pandemic. Of course, everybody. Then and they've been the, through the system. Yep, they have gone through the system, okay. and I have so many of them you know, who wanted to be like permanent. I mean, mm. go into the system. So, so we look at that one. But that's also a JPA issue. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. your recommendation, priority yeah. for health minister yeah. to look at yeah. bringing in the contract nurses yes. um, for permanent yes, positions. Yes, because they already did there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you don't have to go to those procedures of, you know, what you were mentioning just now. Of course, it can be done, uh, Dato, you know, but this one, they're already there. So, so they're, they're like low-hanging fruit. La. If you want mm. to address the problem today, contract nurses are available today and they're Malaysians yeah. and they've gone through yeah. the system, they yes. know and they're able to be skilled yep. in the areas that they Dr. need. Dr. Kuljit, from your, so, from your mic to the health minister's ears. So I think, I think <laughs> we need to, like a doctor, I would say that always treat the acute problem first and then you go to the chronic part of it. So the acute problem now is we have patients out there waiting for treatment, both in public and private. Let's solve the acute problem where we can because as what Dato Professor is telling, it is all over the world and every other country mm. are proactively making this seamless. Our southern neighbour is doing it. Yeah. They are advertising and our nurses are just going across within yeah. within a month they get a job there. And so is Middle East and so many other countries. We should also do that. It's a short gap measure to solve the acute problem. Let's do that first. Then the chronic problem, we can always discuss and start doing. Because if you're going to look at the whole thing and looking at, okay, let's do it in the usual way. We have patients in the country mm. who, are, who, are, who well, need would, help. Would the contract nurses fill your gap? Yes. Yeah. We are happy to do that yeah. if they, are, they can be contracted even mm. with the yeah. You can do both, actually. If yeah. they're not enough, then you can always go for your foreign, you know, yeah. foreign nurses. All right. But Fantastic. just make it seamless. That's my, my only yeah. request. Mm. Too much bureaucracy is slowing down. Yeah. Every everything. other country is going away from mm. bureaucracy because they want to get the problem solved today. All because right. yesterday I was just reading the Prime Minister of New Zealand. They offer... Residency for nurses. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there, I mean, there you are. Residency. Sweetener is coming in. <laughs> yeah. So the proactiveness. We can't, offer, we can't offer three times the salary, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but there is some more of proactiveness, which, you know, I think there's a bit of a concern that, you know, we should do that. Mm. We really should do that. All right. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this discussion today, but it's been a robust one, and we hope that um, the Ministry of Health is listening. Our guests today have been Professor Dr. Dr. Haja Bibi Florina Abdullah, Pro Chancellor. Lincoln University and Dr. Dr. Kuljit Singh, President of the Association of Private Hospitals Malaysia, and my co-host Azrul Muhammad Khalid, CEO of the Galen Centre for Health and Social Policy. This has been Health and Living, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.